0: and i um here we go um apologies again
1: um, i'm not going to redo the intro music <laughs>
0: no we won't do the intro that was the very first time that's my very first okay there we are i believe yes we are live apologies to everyone out there that are just getting this now i'm uh, a newbie here as you know and I didn't share it to the right place. Apologies to everyone. So. These
1: things happen. And and unfortunately we had a really great discussion with John that you're <laughs> going to have to find out and watch on a later episode. So if you, if you want to hear the great conversation, you have to uh, have to listen to it in the replay on Saturday morning. Um, which we will make sure is available on all the available podcast channels that we are on. Um, But our special guest today is John Warlow, and John is the creator of the Value Builder System. He's also written a couple amazing books, including Built to Sell and The Automatic Customer. We had a a little bit of a conversation about uh, Built to Sell, which again, teaser here folks if you want to hear that you're going to have to listen to the download and the pre-record so even if you're watching live you're going to have to come back for that Um, but we were just moving into a little bit of a conversation about about the automatic customer because i think that that's um and and john have you ever heard of um any of the guys in in the pricing industry uh like mark wickersham or sure yeah Yeah, i know mark well yeah yeah, and, Mark and, and I, mean, I are
2: connected on Strava. So he, he shows me all his rides and I'm always jealous. He's in like of Portugal. Of course, or, he rides you know, all, everywhere. Some, yeah, some exotic location. Nice. Yeah. Great guy. He
0: What's and funny? Sarah are both fantastic people and real uh, longtime friends and, uh, and associates out there on the conference scene because you, it's hard to go to an accounting conference without, without seeing Mark there. And of course, Sarah yeah. travels with him. So they always do it up. Yeah, for yeah, sure. sure.
1: Ron's thing right now, his, he started on, on value-based pricing, but he's moving more towards the subscription model, right? And, mm-hmm. and so it ties right into to your I- idea of the automatic customer. Um, have you ever looked specifically at the accounting sector when you're, when you're talking about the automatic customer?
2: Another, not not specifically, but clearly a lot of accountants have moved to a monthly subscription-based billing platform. And it makes a ton of sense because, you know, once you create that momentum of a, of a monthly billing relationship, it does give the relationship a different dynamic. It goes from transactional where every year you get the letter saying, hey, do you want us to represent you again this year? We're going to file your e-taxes. All. Like it's a very transactional relationship. Whereas if it's a, a monthly fee where you're offering not only, you know, tax planning, but also some advisory services, it, it, it becomes more of a relationship. And one of the unique things I wrote about in the book is this concept called the Trojan horse effect, which is that people tend to buy extra things from people they are subscribed to. So if you think about your own behavior, once you subscribe to Amazon Prime, chances are you probably bought more from Amazon, right? Once you subscribe to certain companies, you know, it makes you more likely. So, you know, if you subscribe to an accounting firm and you're getting a, a, you know, a monthly bill from that accounting firm, it makes you much more likely to call that accounting firm when you have an audit, when you have a peculiar tax question, whether you have, you know, when, when you want some business advice, you're just much more likely to go to them because you have an existing long-term relationship as opposed to a transactional relationship.
1: Right. And and I guess that really comes back to, again, productizing your business because you can't have a subscription if you're not productizing your service, right?
2: Yeah. We talked a little bit about it in the last recording, but essentially productizing uh, is the process of, of trying to take you out of the equation. So if you think about your accounting firm, a typical accounting firm, you know, someone will say, oh, you know, I want to get rid of my accountant. Who do you know who's good? And, And a small business owner will say, oh, my accountant's good. You should talk to him. And they're referring the person, right? And so you go to their website and you maybe check out their LinkedIn profile and you're starting to get a sense of who that person is. And then you're buying that person. But guess what? Then you want that person to do your tax return and be there for your advice, not at your cottage having a guitar and they want want you always there to, to, to provide advice, which makes it difficult. And so the process of productizing takes you out of the question. What do I mean by productizing? I mean, labeling your advisory services like it's a thing, branding it, naming it describing it as if it's a thing and, 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 and looking at the great consumer packaged goods companies, even Tesla. I saw Tesla, by the way, st- like closed at $1,500 today. It's an unbelievable company. But look at the way they brand and package their products. Um, that's the kind of North Star that I would encourage accountants to use when they're thinking about packaging up their accounting service like, it, like it's a product. And once it's a thing, you're buying a thing, not a person. And that's when you can start to pull your yourself personally out of the equation.
1: Right. And packaging really comes into everything from like the way you name your business, right? Because I think one of the big common mistakes, well, I don't know if it's a mistake, but one of the co- things that we see regularly is people naming it Wall and Associates Professional Corporation.
0: so I accounting solutions. It's pretty hard. Yeah, to-
1: right. Well, it also makes that hard to resell. Like, I mean, if, yeah. you're, if you're looking to sell your business, well, where's Brad? If this yeah. is Brad Salmanis Accounting, where's Brad?
0: Exactly. It's not lost on me is that I'm, I'm literally not replaceable in my business. So your, your, uh, your teachings definitely resonate with me because I know scaling and adding efficiencies and taking me out of the equation is, is key. Uh, so it's always uh, on my mind. Do you have any recommendations for a solo like me?
2: Absolutely. If your name is on the company door, don't don't worry. You can still sell your company. What I would it just means that you've got to double down on the strategy of productizing. So, let me give right. you an example. If you think of Johnson and Johnson, right? Those were the brothers Johnson back in the 1800s. They were two brothers who started a company. And in those days, it was deeply dependent on them and unsellable because it was the two brothers and what's the company without Johnson and Johnson. But over two centuries, they have built a pretty unique product line of things. And now if you'll notice their branding architecture, they lead with the product names, Band-Aid, Tampon, you know, Pantene, whatever products they have, that's the lead brand. And the Johnson & Johnson is the subordinate brand. Just in
0: the background kind of
2: you so it's like
0: and by so, men i guess sort of thing it becomes exactly um, a product in in its own right we forget exactly behind it
2: but if you don't create a like you, if you if you don't productize you're leaving people with nothing other than you to describe your company and the the thing that that i think we talked about on the in the previous call is is one of the first steps to productizing getting coming up with a a product name, if you will, for what it is that you do is niching down is, is getting really clear on who you're ideally, you know, suited to serve because when you're a specialist, when you're the world's greatest accounting accountant who works with bike shop owners, as an example, silly example, but it's oh, a great example. If you're the world's greatest, it makes you referable. And when a bike shop owner says, Hey, who do you know? you're instantly at the top of their head. Right. Whereas if you are a generic service provider, like a, an accountant, it begs for commoditization. It begs for price comparison. Because if you just say, well, I'm an accountant. Well, Brad's an accountant. Steve's an accountant. Mark's an accountant. Who's the lowest price? Whereas if you have the four-step, you know, great solution for doing your accounting. I'm I'm not feeling very creative tonight, but if you've got a a name around your product and you are a specialist in a specific industry, all of a sudden it makes you infinitely more referable.
0: Well, Jeff Bourgeois and I've had this discussion in the past and it took a little while for me to um, convince him because we all know that niche is is awesome and it's powerful. Um, And he said, well, what is your niche, Brad? And, And I said, my niche is a certain type of customer that I relate to more on a, I wouldn't say a personal level, but we relate in many ways because not entre- all entrepreneurs are created equal. And I um, years of, of working, you know, in, in the corporate world over 20 years, I got to a point where I realized there's certain people I just cannot work with. I don't care what their story is or how much money they have you just can't work with them. so I've sort of made the decision a few years back that I would only work with particular entrepreneurs and Jeff said, well you can't really do that but he's actually come around and said that's a part part of your own branding that says I cater to a certain type of entrepreneur and to build on that. So we've been talking about that lately so a little bit different because um, just and just so you know John, I'm not your traditional accountant. I don't really do the year ends and the taxes and, and that stuff. I'm more of a process guy. That's why I'm drawn to work like yours. Mm-hmm. I like to help businesses run better. You know, I spent 20 years as a controller, as a CFO. I was always the one putting the pieces together to make the business run more effectively. So I have hmm. a lot broad-based experience, but I am an accountant as well. So um, yeah, that's what makes me a bit different. People have a hard time pigeonholing me in, but I still believe um the the beauty of being an entrepreneur and building a business and building a brand and a whole identity is that you can decide who you want to work with like that's 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 freedom because as soon as you get a bad client that starts berating you and gives you a hard time and doesn't pay their bill then to me it's like working in a in a bad job and i have plenty of those in my in my (laughs) background where i going into work, I'd rather put pins in my eyes some days, or, you know, I I was notorious for coming in at 6am. And I did that to be productive, because as soon as eight, nine came along, then all the inefficiency in the organization could creep in, and you'd never got any work done. So Mm -hmm. I sort of tailored my whole existence around being more efficient and and working in a better organization. So that's kind of where I play. But I'm surrounded by these amazing accountants and bookkeepers. I run a Facebook group. I'm surrounded by them. And I totally, you know, I, because I like more efficient businesses, so many bookkeepers and accountants, they have their product, or sorry, their service they're providing, and they think that's all it is. And they don't realize there's so many people out there providing that service until you distinguish yourself, forget it. And what we see in our in our um, community, Is talent galore. People that are taking teachings and applying them in in really aggressive and fascinating ways. And Hmm. we're not typical. So that's what kind of why we hang out on a Friday night on Facebook Hmm. and talk about business and accounting and software and all that good stuff. That's As as you can imagine, that's not very typical in our profession.
1: Yeah. And I'm definitely not typical to the point where I'm literally hanging out and I got my brothers and sisters with me. And I literally, my sister was like, I can add to this conversation. She wanted to here because my sister, and we were talking about Johnson & Johnson and and branding and productizing. My sister actually worked on the Johnson & Johnson campaign. She's actually a huge in in branding
0: and marketing. You, You guys planned this, didn't you?
3: Well, I was Put put
1: in
0: the Johnson and Johnson example. That's perfect, John.
3: I was going to say, it was a good segue. Although I I find it really interesting, Brad, to to hear about your perspective on being an entrepreneur and about what you stand for being niche. Because I think what John was talking about, which I found so interesting, which is about like essentially commoditizing a relationship. Right? Like building a relationship that people have faith and trust in and then creating a brand around it.
0: Which, and it is a it is a two way street, too, because, you know, as I mentioned, I pick and choose who I work with. And that's just because I provide the best service to somebody that I learn to respect and, and like and trust. So, yes, I totally agree with what you're saying.
3: Well, and I found it like, coming from an advertising background. So uh, like this just in I don't have an accounting background. I have an advertising. That's event. okay.
0: We'll still talk to you. I
3: know. I know guys. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty nerdy. So hopefully I can.
0: Then you fit right in. Now I know where, where Andrew gets it from, or you guys are yeah,
3: piece in the pot. It. Thanks me. Um, but I actually found what John was talking about, which is about how you, do you like basically create a brand around trust, right? Like I think what he was talking a good about, brand. you have a relationship with these people who are dealing with arguably the most intimate thing, anyone can deal with, which is their taxes and their personal finances and things that are like quite intimate, honestly. And you have an opportunity to create this relationship that you can arguably brand and commoditize a la J&J, which I thought was a really interesting way to look at, um, you know, Brad, you talked about being an entrepreneur and what you will and will not do, which I think is also kind of interesting because I think as an entrepreneur, as a, like, like you were saying, I'm the business. Me, they deal with, which is interesting. Watching my dad and my brother, who are like father to son, trying to hand off the relationship, hmm. trying to figure out where <laughs> the magic hit the, you know, and it's interesting because I think ultimately, when it comes to your accountant, you want a face you trust, right? Yes. You want people you trust. These are people who are dealing with you could go to jail if you fuck this up. So, how hey,
0: well, to swear on here, to, by the way, John. Oh, I. I
3: Anyway, I think there's something very interesting about, um, if you can really create that level of trust and as John was talking about, build a brand like J and J like around, we trust you and we're going to trust you with everything. That's a, that's a huge opportunity as an entrepreneur. And like, to your point, Brad, there's people you don't want to work with. There's people you do want to work with. Like, I always love when I think like about brands who are really stand for something, you know, I stand for this, but I don't stand for that. Like even in today's like highly politicalized climate
0: mm-hmm. to really
3: stand for something is such an opportunity for you guys as entrepreneurs, but also like, it's not just about the individual. It's about the character you stand for as a firm, as a brand. And I like, as a, like someone who came from a very, um, background that was all about building brand. Like I worked on McDonald's, I worked on Nike, I worked on Adidas. Like it's all about what you stand for. It's all about Absolutely. what you mean as a brand. And then also, and, it, and we're talking about swag tonight. Like, what kind of stuff do you give away? What do you, what do you stand for as a brand? Which I was like, you know, your name is all you've got. It's all you've got. It's the beginning, the end. The, like, I really liked what John was talking about, like comparing yourselves to a J&J. And that's what kind of got me motivated to be like, I... I, I need to say something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love to talk. <laughs> um, and I will completely back away and let Andrew have his show, but I just thought that's a really interesting opportunity for entrepreneurs and accounts to think about, like, it's not just, um, you know, like an individual, it's about what you stand for as a character, which is such an opportunity to really like, because also, I'm sure your clients probably stand for the same things you do, like suspect.
1: And that, and that can almost build into brand and your right. product,
3: right? Well, and it's also like, who, like we always, like, I worked on McDonald's for years. I'm like who do you what do you really stand for McDonald's what do you really mean and they would say this and that I, I mean i work at Rogers now what do we stand for like what's your cause what's your purpose which i think is like an individual question but a brand question but if you can really be that without any apologies that's a wonderful place to be
1: well and what's yeah. also so interesting is like McDonald's Johnson and Johnson these are once upon a time companies that were based on individuals that now at this point none of us relate back to the individuals we relate back to the brand
3: right? it's also about being a lighthouse right like what do you stand for in the middle of the night? Which is a great thing to be like, it's interesting because when I heard you say, Brad, they ha- it has to be me. The brand can't just be you, it has to be what you stand for. Like even watching my dad yeah. to my father and handing off this business, what do we stand for? What does Wallet Associates stand for? What does CA for Like, what do we stand for? That's a really oh, good it, those are Those the-
0: are great points. I think of when everyone starts a business and I know when I started mine seven years ago, You'll take on anything, right? You'll take on any client, any book of business, someone needs something done. You'll tailor your whole process and your whole offering just to accommodate that, that, um, that client. So in my space, a lot of it is software-based. So I'd have to get to know this software, this software, this software, this software, be all to everybody it never works. Right. And then you start taking on bad clients that you just take as you, you know, it's, Hey, I'm going to take on everything. I don't want to turn anything away. And my business was so, it was way less efficient at that point because, you know, you really are, you're trying to be all to everybody. So it's this whole idea of streamlining your business and building that brand. I love the, the part about, building it around your values and what's really important because you're going to attract like minded people I would like to think I've had clients come to me and I can tell in the first 10 minutes it's not going to work out and I and I get this feeling that I shouldn't actually even try and sell anymore because I can just tell this isn't the sort of thing that'll work at one point it it was more of an extreme situation where I had the, the vibe this wasn't going to work out and 10 minutes later the guy was swearing at me because I dared ask him a question. And he and he got really snarky with me and started yelling and swearing and I had to say goodbye. And that was kind of a turning point when I realized, no way I'm, I get a screen prospects better. And then I actually had a client pull that on me once and I actually had to say, we're done. I ended the relationship because of it, because the guy ran counter to, to the values that, that that I believe in. So I was like, we might've got off track a bit there, but.
2: Um, John, (laughs) it's your show. No, I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation for sure. I think, uh, I think it's an interesting debate. My, my, my main point to come back to where we were before, my main point is to, is to make sure that 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 your brand and your equity is accruing to your product and not you personally. So it's not about what you personally stand for. It might be what you personally stand for in the beginning, but somehow you have to transfer that equity Mm -hmm. from personally where you're at to your company. And that's the, that's the transition that I think is where it comes down to naming your service, naming your offering, et cetera. And then obviously putting it on some sort of recurring revenue model so that you can, uh, uh, that you can sleep better at night knowing that you're uh, that you're getting some sales while you sleep.
1: Yeah. And Absolutely. we all love, love recurring revenue. But I think one, one of the other things that I, I thought was really interesting um, when you look at the, the built to sell book is this concept of figuring out what is, what's going to be that recurring revenue and, and sometimes yeah. trying to figure out, you know, cause sometimes we have this tendency, I think, to go to our most, or a uh, highest margin business, which oftentimes yeah. like the, it requires the most owner's involvement in some of that higher margin business. Um, and, and I love that concept of like narrowing in on what can be easily reproducible, but still have like, and, and finding that, that balance, that teeter totter between the reproducible, um, trainable work, um, and yet still valuable to the clients and I guess that is a bit of a teeter totter isn't it John
2: Yeah we call it your TVR and the way your those three things stand for teachable valuable repeatable so you're looking for a service that's teachable to employees valuable to customers and repeatable meaning customers have a recurring need for it and when most accountants do that Some of the things they think about are like, uh, you know, bank reconciliations and credit card deposits and payroll and highly commoditized services. And then they look at the things that they're really, really differentiated on but are very hard to scale. So advisory services, strategic advice, corporate finance advice, et cetera. And so they get stuck and they're like, what's most teachable is least valuable and what's most valuable is least teachable. My advice is to focus on what is teachable. Start with that as your foundation and make it different. So start with your teachable services, bank reconciliation, payroll, et cetera, and say, okay, how can I add something to this to make it unique and different Um, as opposed to trying to make something valuable, teachable, that almost never works. So start with what's teachable and and find a way to give it a point of differentiation. It's either that you're doing it for a specific industry, for a specific, you know, in in Brad's case, he's doing it for a specific specific psychographic of client, uh, but doing it in some unique and special way as opposed to, the mistake I think we, most of us make when we try to, to to create a recurring revenue model, we think about what's going to be really valuable, and and try to create uh, a process around it. It's almost never works. So, John, we had
0: a question in the in the in the feed uh, from Bob Harper. He said, "Doesn't productizing mean having a having proven processes?"
2: Productizing. Yeah. In, in order to have a product, you, you need to have a set of ingredients. Like you think you look at a bottle of Tide and they're, you know, on the back of the label, it'll give you all the ingredients in the, in the thing. Similarly, when you deliver a productized accounting service, you have a set of ingredients. What is the customer going to get when they hire you as their accountant? And so you list off those ingredients, and th- they are processes, but productized is, is more than just process. It's more than just a uh, a set of ingredients there's a there's a whole science behind it there's eight unique steps you got to go through the first is to niche down so that you can f- actually structure something that's relevant for 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 a, for a, a, a group with a homogeneous need um, you're going to name it and you go through an entire sort of process to, to productize but you're right process is one of those steps uh, but I think it's it's a little bit more than just the process
1: well, I think when, when you're talking about this whole teachable, valuable, repeatable thing, mm-hmm. what I think what's really interesting is right now what, what everyone is pushing in our community is advisory, advisory, advisory. This yes. is where the valuable. This is where the value is. Yeah. Um, and in many cases, that's not repeatable in, in a lot of the coaching, and and that's or a coaching advisory, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what I think is really interesting is that you've actually done a really good job of productizing advisory in the value builder system. It's literally what you have created with the value builder system is like, here's my product, the value builder system, and it's repeatable. And, and and like, we're going to take you through a 12 month process and, and the whole system behind that. How, where did that come from? Like, how did, how did you, where, like, what was the starting state of the value builder system?
2: man it was a it was an old questionnaire uh i'll I'll take you back so when i first um i was involved in in a few businesses that i started and sold i wrote about that process in built to sell i wrote about the methodology that 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 i used um and we created a little questionnaire It was it was kind of like a men's health questionnaire. You know, you like you you answer the ten questions, you find out what kind of lover you are. That that sort of idea, or Cosmopolitan magazine test, similar. You answered a, a a dozen questions about your business, and it would tell you could you sell this thing, and it was called the sellability score. and 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 we started getting questions and requests from accounting firms, uh, M&A firms to license that little questionnaire. And it was a light bulb moment where I thought, you know, there's probably a business model here where we create tools and a system for advisors to advise, advise owners on how to improve the value of their company. And that's that's sort of the genesis of, of how we started back, I guess, eight years ago now.
1: Yeah, well, it's and it's taken a
2: a big leap. I mean, how many advisors do you have? working? Yeah, we've we like to say we have 50,000 business owners who have gotten their value builder score and we have 1,000 advisors around the world who license the system. The only way a, a small business owner can get their value builder score and and go through the value builder engagement is when they're invited to do so through an accountant or one of our one of our advisors essentially. So, yeah, we've about 1,000 of those around the world which I
1: think is pretty outstanding for, uh, you know, a a Canadian who's just figured out this idea and this concept of, you know, recurring revenue, uh, productizing your service, which I think is like this ties into our community so well. This is exactly what the help and support that we need, which is why when Jeff turned me on to what you guys were doing, I was like, this is just this, this is just absolutely brilliant how do we, how do we bring this into our business? And for us, a lot of it was, okay, we want to deliver this as value add. Um, and, and to, and to build that into our product base, right. For us, it was like, how do we then take, you know, notice to readers and, um, financial statements and bookkeeping and differentiate it. And for us, it was like, well, here's the value builder system. It's this no brainer thing that now like differentiates us included with your accounting and bookkeeping is advisory. Which is it's so unique and, and and so turnkey with what you guys are doing that it was uh, it was for me a light bulb moment, um, right. and of course it, it works that I happen to be at this moment in life where my father has the time and the energy to devote to do it because it's not you can't as much as as it is turnkey you've got to have an individual dedicated to deliver it, um, but it it does have all the right tools and and systems in there and and beyond that like we literally the first step that i did when i went through the value builder system is i said okay if i'm if i'm going to trust this system you need to do it for me like i jeff dad i i need you two to take me through this system and prove to me that this actually has merit has value and we went through it and like step aside from the fact that you've got a a system and a website and like the infrastructure behind it to support it, which I think is actually, you can't take that away because that's got such big weight, but just the actual insights and the value that the system delivers in the, in the eight core modules. Um, And even though there's, what I find is a lot of this stuff with, with all coaching is it's stuff we all know, right? Mm. It, It is, it's, it's, it's stuff that's almost intuitive, but we don't take the time to do the planning, to do the documentation, to, set goals to set strategy. At least I don't. I mean, maybe that that's my own biases limiting that, Mm -hmm. but I can't imagine that I'm alone in that. Um, and having that structure behind it and that process to remind you like, okay, we're going to go through this process. And I I love how it also like, it's this cycle, right? Like when you get get to the end of it, it's not over. right? Right. It's you like a month,
2: like, one, year, two. <laughs> yeah,
1: like it's, now, now, it's now time to repeat that entire cycle over again, which again, comes back to that why I love that it, it, it drives yeah. right into that. Yeah. It's to, funny
2: yeah. when we talk to accounts and we ask them like, well, you, why did you sign up, et cetera? The, the most common thing they say is I, I, like, I know a lot of this stuff. I know, you know, but it's the system. It's the structure that I really like. It's the 12 steps. And, and that's what we hear a, a ton from, from advisors. And again, I don't know if you've ever had this, but when you're offering, look, nobody's going to question you on accounting services. When you're doing bookkeeping, when you're doing a notice to reader, nobody's going to say, Brad, are you doing it right? Uh, they you know, they trust you, but when it comes to advisory services, their bar for your credibility goes up. Now, all of a sudden you're telling them something that they should know about their business. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but, but, but I certainly have, where you start to give advice to a business owner about their company. They're like, "What? who are you to tell me how to run my business? I've been running this factory for 26 years. You just rocked in here, et cetera. And they get their backs up quite a bit when you try to give them business advice. And what using a system does is it, it takes all the emotion out of it, right? It's not like, you know, more than I do. And I should feel somehow threatened by that. It's the system that's been used by 50,000 businesses. The first thing, you know, when you start the offers are 3.5, when you, when you graduate, you're getting offers of 6.1, like it's a system that's been proven to work. And that takes some of the, the emotional sort of like, you know, like, how dare you tell me how to run my business kind of out of the equation.
0: Well, one of the, the worst things I ever hear in the businesses I've worked in and from entrepreneurs is when they say, we've always done it this way, right? Oh, right. That's usually yeah. that personal sort of, well, it's work for us. And even though it's not the right way, it's what they're comfortable with. It's what they're intimate with. In many ways, that's how they identify their business. So I could, you know, in that situation, you just mentioned, you're kind of, it's like the going to the doctor and they take a look at you know, what the problem is. And the doctor takes a first look and says, Ooh, you know, I had that with a kidney stone once that I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. And some doctor walks by in the ER and he looks at my, my, my films and he says to the nurse, Ooh, whose is that? And, and she could kind of like, shh, shh. he's and right
1: there. <laughs>
0: right there. At this point, I thought I was dying. Um, it was just a very large kidney stone. They'd seen that They eventually got, but you know, at that point, but that's what, to me, that's what it's like with a lot of business owners. They, yeah. they know they need help, but you get in there and they can get very, very sensitive. So back to that trust discussion, it is a big deal when you can go in there with a with confidence and say, "I can help you, and here's what, why I can help you."
2: One of the secrets we use and we coach uh, accountants to to ask questions in in this way, because because accountants. You know, you you go to school, you get an accounting degree, you feel like you kind of have to have the answer, right? Like like I'm supposed to have the answer. I'm the I'm the financial guru, and so sometimes when we're interviewing clients, we can use start questions with the word why. Why do you do it that way? Why is your gross margin this? Why 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 why? And the word why puts business owners on defensive. It's it's a it's a word that makes them feel judged and it can make them feel very defensive and start to defend why they do it that way. I would encourage every accountant to replace the word why with the question, with the word what. Tell me what it is that keeps you up at night. What, what it is, what, tell me about your, your, uh, your product line. What are the different margins you get on the different products here? Starting every question with the word what has the, has the, has a, the complete opposite psychographic sort of reaction. It's an opening. Right. It makes people open to your inquiry versus a judged sense. So just if you can start every question with what, and I think you'll get a, a business owner. who's a lot more receptive to your questioning.
0: That's great advice.
1: That's so simple yet so powerful. Yes. And, and I, I got to admit, like, I'm guilty of one of those people using why all too often. Mm. Yes, why are you doing that? Thinking that that's like leading me down the questions of, but you know, what just literally changing why to what?
0: No. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. great advice. That's great advice because, like you said, they're going to open up. They don't feel like they're being judged, and that's that's the challenge a lot of times in this industry, is that we get to see the intimate details of the business like no one else is going to. And it, there's a very big trust factor there. So um, anything you can do not to intimidate your client is is great advice. I like that. Yeah. And
1: particularly as we as we move into advisory, right? Because now you're literally like yeah. maybe. Meeting- potentially changing the fundamentals of how they operate right and and i know for myself you're always going to be defensive about you know how you do something and the reasons that you've done it and when you like you said john the the, the psychographics of why is like why do you do that well i do this because it's the right way you know like you just get into that like defensive posture immediately like, as yeah. person, like well what would you do and just it it, it just is a different tone it really yeah.
2: Uh, it's a really powerful uh, tactic for sure
1: fantastic (laughs) like any
2: yeah it comes out of the training we give our advisors we we um it was credit where credit is due the woman who uh designed part of our training program for advisors uh is a trained uh life coach and she uh is trained in psychotherapy and 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 and, and it was her suggestion that we we make that recommendation.
1: Well, and, and that's what, you know, that's one of the things my dad has always said is like, as, as accountants, we are, we are really coaches. We're consultants. We're, you know, psychotherapists to our, yeah. to our client. And I think that that's yeah. a really, in my opinion, a, a critical thing that we as accountants and bookkeepers need to, to recognize is that we are, we are more than number crunchers. Um, we are really, in, in a way, psychotherapists, and we need to look at this from a behavioral economic standpoint, from just a human nature aspect, and I think that that's an area that often gets gets overlooked, and and I didn't even re- really recognize how that was built into the program because it's just sort of inherent in, in like the training and the programs. One, um, one
2: of the big areas I think you're going to start to really be able to flex that muscle of of advice and providing coaching is going to be as business owners start to think about exiting, uh, you you, you know, you've, you've seen the statistics, huge swath of baby boomers now selling their companies, but more so now I think accelerated by the pandemic, when we get out of this, there's gonna be a lot of people that are wanting to sell their business. And one of the things that we know leads to disappointment and regret when it comes to preparing and selling a business is being all push and no pull. So we've done a a bunch of research with business owners and the happiest owners when they exit are more pull than push. What do I mean by push and pull? Push are things that are pushing you out of the business. The pandemic, Justin Trudeau, all the things that drive you crazy about running a company are all pushing you out of a company. Whereas pulling you into something else is a new business, the desire to travel, the desire to get fit, Whatever, whatever you're excited to go do. And the happiest owners who sell are the ones who are more pull than push. And so what I think most business owners will do is will come to you and say, man, I'm happy that COVID thing's over. You know, Andrew, what do I got to do to sell this thing? Right? And if they do come to you that way, that's a recipe for a regret. They're going to come to you a year from now and say, why did you let me sell my business? I should have, you know, I should have hung to it. Whereas if you can get them to start pivoting and saying, I understand you're frustrated, but what are you excited to go do and and get them to really focus on that? That's a, a quite a powerful exercise. And now, one that I think you're uniquely positioned as an accountant to do.
1: Now, now to take this to a completely biased and self-centered perspective. Sure. Um, obviously we do have a situation where we're going to have a lot of boomers retiring in the accounting industry. Yeah, one right
2: behind you over your left shoulder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've always perceived this as a tremendous opportunity because so few of those boomers have gone through a program like Value Builders to make sure that they get the most out of it. What's your perspective on taking advantage of, of that opportunity, buying into these businesses at, potentially pennies on the dollar and then putting in systems and processes like the value builder to like turn those over and make them, you know, more profitable, less, less dependent on the owner, all these things that are, that are core values of, of the value builder system.
2: Yeah. So our, our mission is to level, excuse me, level the playing field for business owners as they approach their exit. So we're all about helping the owner, make sure they get paid fairly for the business they've created having said that i can tell you that one of the fastest growing segments of our customer base are private equity groups who are looking to buy businesses and they're using the value builder system as reverse a, engineering it going to reverse yeah, engineer yeah, yeah. So, so it's not it's not the the reason we created it nor what we envisioned uh, it to be but but a lot of businesses are going to be bought especially after the pandemic for pennies on the dollar and um yes. they, they they will need uh systems put in place and they will fetch a, a premium down the road as the economy improves but also as as the the processes take effect well exactly. we, we
0: have another question from from the uh, the stream from from our good friend obed morris He said, question for the panel. Is it possible for machines to do a better job of advisory than accountants? And this is for you, John. Machines over people.
2: Yeah, well, in a lot of ways, that's what the value builder system is, right? So it starts with a diagnostic tool, the value builder score. You go, you answer a bunch, you you invite your client to answer a series of questions about their business, and it spits out a score. uh, Average score is 59 out of a possible 100 those businesses are on average getting 3.5 times their pre-tax profit when they trade. If you go through the 12 steps that Andrew talked about, improve your score up to at least 80 out of 100, those businesses are getting offers of 6.1 times pre-tax profit or almost double the business that start with us. So that's all made possible through technology. But here's what technology won't do. Technology doesn't build a trusted relationship with the owner. And to go back to you know, why we don't work directly with small business owners is because they don't we don't have their trust. You do. The accountant is the person they trust. They trust you with their most intimate financial details. And so when you come to them and say, you know, I think you should take your value builder questionnaire, they're going to listen to you. And, and that's why we go to market through accountants. So so while I think there's ways to, to objectively benchmark companies through technology, you're never going to replace the, the human, I think, interaction that is made possible through trust, right? And so uh, that's why we go to market through accountants, meaning we partner with accountants in the way we deliver the system. And I don't ever perceive a day where where we trust computers more than we do people. I think people will always, you know, have you guys ever looked at um, David Maester's trust equation? You ever had David on the show, Andrew?
1: I don't know, I'm not familiar with David.
2: Okay, he's the guy who coined the term the trusted advisor. Really? Ah. So he wrote the book, The Trusted Advisor, and it's all based on this thing called the trust equation. And the trust equation was a way he tried to quantify, compare and contrast different professional services firms. He worked with Accenture and McKinsey and the Deloitte and the big, you know, big, you know, big uh, firms. And what he tried to do was quantify the degree of trust those cl- firms, clients had in the partners that dealt with their business. And he got trust down to a simple equation on the numerator. It was um, reliability Uh, credibility and personal intimacy. So reliability, do you say what you're going to do? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Excuse me. Um, Credibility is, do you understand basic rules of accounting, gap accounting, et cetera. And personal intimacy, do you understand what I'm trying to achieve as a small business owner? Do you understand my goals? And then on the denominator of the equation was the degree to which the accountant was viewed as self-serving. And so self-serving accountant was one who was always selling, you know, never listening, et cetera. And he would actually have clients score these accounting firms on these four variables, three on the numerator, one on the denominator. And he was actually able to quantify the degree of trust these accountants had built in the eyes of their clients. And, It's such a powerful tool. Anyways, the book's called "The Trusted Advisor." I didn't write it, but uh, it's a good one, and I think every professional services firm should uh, should read it.
1: Well, we're gonna have to reach out to David after this
2: to see if we. Yeah, you should have him on. I don't even know if he's still alive. It was a long time ago we wrote the book. (laughs)
1: I've I've heard the book, and actually, when you mentioned the formula, I've actually heard the formula before. So have you? Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard that formula, and I think, um, it's. I, and obviously, as accountants, we love that when you can come up with a formula. When you, yeah, when yeah,
0: absolutely. When you,
1: when you can say, this is how we measure trust, which yeah. is, you know, a, a difficult thing to measure. Um, I, you, we all are gravitate towards that. Um, but surprise, surprise, once again, we're, we're literally coming to the hour. I think the one thing I want everyone to know is like, I know I've been singing your praises tonight, John, because I think you're absolutely brilliant. I really do. And I want everyone to know that like, the reason I'm singing John's praises is not because I, I'm not making any money off this. There's no commission for me to make because I think John's program is brilliant. But I think that this is an, an area that our industry needs. And everyone who knows me knows that the reason that I put on this show and the reason that we do this podcast is because we want to connect our community, we want to give back to, to people. We want to help you move towards your objectives. And everyone is talking about advisory and a lot of people don't know how to move to advisory. Here is literally a turnkey solution. If you're struggling, if you're out there struggling, how do I add advisory to my bookkeeping, to my accounting services? This is a solution worth at least taking a look at and having an understanding of and, you know, maybe even doing for yourself. Because obviously we've touched on so many points here that are so relevant to us whether it's the automatic customer whether it's building a business to sell whether it's building a business to run more efficiently more effectively without you at the hub of this business that relies on you and and there's so many core tenets of this system and this process that add value to what we do as accountants and bookkeepers every day that I want the people in our community to be aware of. And so I, I want to thank you, John, because I know we, we, we've kept you up far later than you're, you're, you're used to staying up.
0: Oh, that's great um, we, we really appreciate it you know like I said oh, I tried to gosh. get Jeff to come and hang out with us but he said nope nine o'clock I I turned into a pumpkin sorry man <laughs> so, so, we uh, don't we don't understand that this is like round one for Andrew tonight he, he'll probably be up till the sun comes up if I know him
1: we will we'll definitely this is not and to be honest one thing is my dad who's sitting here beside me he's usually in bed several hours before this but he wanted like this is to me, this is probably one of my favorite episodes um, because we we value our relationship with you, John, so much. Oh,
0: that's pretty kind. I, and, and, and I liked know. it so much, we made it a two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once again, sorry about that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and we, you guys missed some amazing content. Brad, where can they find it on that other channel where it was? Uh,
0: well, we were sharing it on my business page, Brad Brad's so amazing, Accounting Solutions. But if you're in Get Into It, the Facebook group, it was streamed wow. there. The first 13 minutes so um we'll figure out how to stitch that all together see it's begun
3: it's begun the
0: wall party has begun okay. all right i mean i think it was, this was intermission actually for the wall party this,
1: this, this is just the beginning of the night for us we're troublemakers but uh thanks again john
0: thanks and, for coming uh, john it was excellent and
1: thank you everybody for tuning in uh, obid all the rest of you guys who are online live Listening in, we appreciate you. All those who were listening in Saturday morning, we appreciate you too. And we'll be back next week with another great guest. Bye for now, everybody.
0: See everyone. Bye.